You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above Nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Powerful name it is, 
what a powerful name it is. Thank you so much for the name of Jesus. We're going to be reading today from the 23rd chapter of Luke. I'm going to read the 32nd verse, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses 39 through 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. In verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. If I were going to entitle this message, it would uh, be something like this. Who are these guys? Throughout scripture, there are people who are named, and then there are people who are not named. Monday, uh, Jeff talked about a man named Nicodemus. He's one of the ones that was named. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night uh, and asked a question. Lord, what must I do to be saved? What, 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 what's going on here? There was a man, Zacchaeus, who uh, came to, uh, that was in a tree. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, today I want to come and I want to eat supper with you. Uh, there was a uh, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who had been sitting there for years. And What do you want to happen? Lord, I want to see. But then there were countless others that we don't know their names. Lot's wife, the woman at the well, the rich young ruler, the woman taken in adultery, the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, Two thieves, two criminals, one on one side, one on the other. Now, I know they all had names, but we don't know their names. The scripture describes them. The scripture does not name them. Now, I cannot know for sure why this is true, but as I thought about this recently, I thought, you know, a lot of these people, they represent all of us. Lot's wife, for instance, don't turn around, don't look, head to the mountains, get out of town. She turns, she looks, the scripture says she turned into a pillar of salt. We all have known people, maybe we've even been one of those persons at some point in our life that the past had us paralyzed in the present, that we couldn't go forward because we kept looking backward. I had a lady in one of my early churches that her husband had left her for another woman, left her and three children 29 years ago when I met her. And she talked about it as if it happened yesterday. And when I suggested that maybe it was time to move on, she said, you just don't know what he did to me. I said, no, ma'am, I don't, but, but I know what he's doing to you every day and what he's done to you every day since then. The woman at the well, she represents all of us, doesn't she? 
she left that, that, that uh, moment with Jesus knowing this, even though he knows everything about me, he still loves me. And we've all known people that, that came to that realization, that, that, that they, their past had been like her past. It, it had been littered with bad decisions and, and things that if she could do it over again, she would have done differently. And maybe she had gotten to the point that she thought there was no hope for her and God. But she left that day knowing he knows everything about me, but he still loves me. The rich young ruler, we, we know that, that, that any time there's something that we're not willing to turn loose of, something in our life that, that we'll do this, but we just won't do that. God, you can have all of it but this. And for him, it was money, but it can be a, all kinds of things. And we know that it, as long as there's anything in our lives that we refuse to turn loose of, that there is uh, something that stands between us and fully following Jesus and fully getting the benefit of being a follower of Jesus. And then there's these two guys. We don't know their names. They had names. I just don't know what they were. I, I don't know if this is the first time they'd ever laid eyes on Jesus or if they had seen him many times. They might have been in the crowd where he fed 5,000. They might have been on the street when he rode in on the donkey. They, they might have been part of the crowd that screamed crucify him. They might have seen him heal, raise Lazarus. I don't know. All I know is that the scripture says that Jesus, uh, well, there was one criminal, as Luke calls them, one thief, as Matthew calls them, one on one side and one on the other side. And one of them says to him, hey, you're really who you say you are. And get us down from here. And the scripture says, quote, he hurled insults at Jesus. The other one said, don't you even fear God? This man's done nothing wrong. We're getting what we deserve. And then he called the name, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the scripture says that Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. I was about 20 years old, 20-something uh, year old, probably 25, 5-ish. I'd been in the ministry a few years um, it, it was some point during the educational process, um, and Harvey and, uh, and Tyler can relate to this, you, you work in hospitals along the way, and you do all these kind of, I don't know if it was supervised ministry during the seminary or if it was a CPE after seminary, but, but for whatever reason, I was working in a hospital and uh, as a chaplain as part of the process of being ordained. And I was working on the cancer floor and I walked into a room, and back then, this was the 80s, uh, back then there were semi-private rooms. Anybody remember those semi-private rooms? You remember the, the tracks on the ceiling where you had the curtain that would go around the bed this way and around the bed that way, and then one that would go right down the middle. So if you had people visiting, you could put the one down the middle to give you a little privacy, or if the doctor was examining someone, take the curtain all the way around, you know. And so it's one of those semi-private room settings. And I walk in, 
and there's a man in the door in the bed by the door and there's a man in the bed by the window and and all the curtains are pulled back against the walls where they can see each other and and I walk in and announce I'm Robin Scott I'm one of the chaplains here at the hospital when the guy by the window started to curse uh, in a way that I had not heard in a while I don't need no blankety-blank chaplain and I don't want your blankety-blank prayers and I don't believe in your blankety-blank God and you can just get the blank out of here well again I'm like 24 or 5 you know and up until that point I hadn't been rebuked that bad I wish I could say that was still true today but uh, now I'm a DS so you know but uh so I, I was really just taken back. You know, I didn't know what to do or what to say. I just kind of stood there for a moment, I guess. And then he repeated. He wanted me to leave uh, in a very colorful way. And, and uh, he started coughing, and he was getting all, you know, physically upset. And I, I said, sir, I'm leaving. Well, I start walking out the door when the other guy, the guy in the bed by the window, I mean by the, the door, said, hey, wait a minute. I want you to pray for me. And see, I had just forgot him. You know, when you're being cursed, you you know, I, I, I forgot that he was even in the room. And so I stopped and collected myself and I walked over and he had his hand out and I got his hand and we prayed. And when I opened my eyes, tears were rolling down his cheeks. And he said, you know, these are hard times, but I know God's with you. And so I walked out, out the door, and I got by the, in the hall, and I leaned against the wall, and I thought, what just happened? And then I thought of this passage. You see, those two men were in the same predicament. They had the same disease, cancer, same prognosis terminal, almost identical months predicted for them to live. They were in the identical same boat in life. One cursed God and one said, pray for me. These two guys on the crosses, they were in the same predicament. They, they couldn't bargain with God. They couldn't say, well, God, you know, if you'll, if you'll save me, I'll do this or that. They were going to die that day. They, you know, they couldn't promise tithing or being a Sunday school teacher or driving the church van or anything else. They were, they were there. This was their last day on earth, and, and yet one hurled insults, and the other called him by name. Such a powerful name. Jesus, remember me. And in many ways, these two men represent all of us, don't they? We all have a choice. We can blame God or we can claim God. We can ask for prayer or we can spew words of denial. We can admit that without him we're nothing or we can die believing we're something. We all have that choice, regardless of what our name is. I was mowing grass um, when Luann, 
my wife stuck her head out the door and said, you need to get to JDL's house. He looks like it's June. I was hot and sweaty. It was a summer day, and but I didn't clean up. I just, he threw me the keys. I call him. I headed out. It took me about 10 minutes to get there. I came running in the door, and when they were in a half moon around the bed, all the family, kids, grandkids, sisters, people who loved her. Miss Bergen, Jadel's mother, had been sick for some time, but the last week she had taken a turn for the worse. Hospice had said it won't be long now. And I don't know if you've ever been there um, where that death rattle had begun and every time the breath doesn't come in the same sequence, you think that's the last one. And that's where we were. We had prayer. We're just standing. We're just literally, just literally waiting. Miss Verdi hadn't spoken or give us any reason to think she was aware in several days now. When all of a sudden, laying flat on her back, her hand went up. Now, Miss Verdi was a good Methodist. Her hand, I've never, I had never seen her hand up. Her hand went up, and she said, Do you see it? Do you see it? Then her hand fell and bounced on the bed, and she was gone. Now, I didn't see it. I felt it. I know she saw it. And that day, like that day in the hospital, for a totally different reason, my mind went back to this passage. Jesus? When you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? Today. Not next week. Not next month. Not at the end of the millennial reign. Not at the second coming. Today, you will be with me. I believe with every fiber of my being this morning that that moment Miss Birdie Burson took the hand of Jesus and she didn't have to cross Jordan alone. What a name. What a powerful name. The name of Jesus. That's why we're here we are because in reality once you say yes to Jesus you change now you become someone different Jacob becomes Israel Abram becomes Abraham you become a follower of Jesus they now call you Christian follower of 